Hey guys, welcome back to the uh, Clear Path Podcast here, presented by Vendetta Sports Media. I'm your host, Jacob McCormick, and I'm solo today. Um, been a little under the weather, um, just been watching some NBA, uh, taking a few things in. I wanted to get a quick episode up here for Friday, um, just to chat about a few things um, that, you know, kind of kind of have been on the mind. You know, I've been on Trey's podcast each of the last two weeks, uh, kind of chatting about, or Trey, excuse me, Trey Dalbert host of That Some Cheese, and um, also the lead word, I believe, for um, Vendetta Sports Media, co-founder of the website. Uh, he's a hoss, man. He's pumping out articles like crazy. Um, but yeah, I hopped on his podcast, um, you know, twice now in the past uh, week or so, and to chat a little bit of NBA, um, a few little scenarios and stuff about John Wall and and Russell Westbrook, and, and a little bit about the MVP discussion with James Harden and Anthony Davis. Um and that's kind of uh, when you hit this point of the season. I mean, out west, you've got two teams separated themselves from everybody. And, uh, you know, the race is kind of, in a weird way, three three through eight now. Um, with San Antonio kind of falling off now that the, the Kawhi news has come out that they don't really think he's going to play again this year. Uh, you know, it's almost like, you know, I wouldn't put it past the Spurs to, like, even just tank a little bit in their own way to get a better playoff position. Um, I don't think there's a scenario where they would drop out of the playoffs or anything like that. But believe me, if <laughs> if if Pop and the, and the front office and, and Buford, R.C. Buford over there thought that, hey guys, we can get to this nine, this 10 seed, and let Utah and the, Utah and the Clippers come jump in or somebody like that, and we, you know, have a chance at a lottery pick and a loaded draft, I wouldn't put it past them. Wouldn't put it past them winning the lottery either. That would be insane. Um, so some interesting stuff to watch there with a team that, you know, hasn't missed the playoffs since I don't even, since I've ever, since I started watching the NBA, like in the 90s. So it's crazy. Um, I guess since right after they drafted Tim Duncan, but um, but yeah, so it's it's some interest, uh, some interesting stuff going on out west. Uh, this is kind of the time of the year that the MVP discussion heats up. Um, you know, a question that Trey posed to me on the podcast was, "Why do you think Anthony Davis is getting this pub?" And you know, in his opinion, you know, the lack of playoff success, the lack of postseason wins at all, really, in uh, in Davis's career, uh, kind of uh, put a black kind of black. I guess, curtain over his MVP chances in his mind, in Trey's mind. So I disagreed with that a little bit, um, and, and I'll explain that a little bit. And what I, what I said on his podcast was the reason that um, Davis is kind of getting this pub is because the fact that uh, the past few years um, there's been kind of a two, at least or at least two, but mostly a three-man race for MVP that's kind of dominated the news. Last year it was Harden. Uh, Westbrook, Kawhi, and LeBron. It was actually four of them. The year before that, it was uh, uh, Harden and Curry, and it was Curry's back to it was Curry going for back to back MVPs, and Harden with this you know first year up there in that top, I guess you know two or three MVP uh, kind of you know pole positions or whatever. So uh, now you've got. The, st- the only storyline is that Harden is probably the leading candidate, and, you know, somewhat running away. I'd hate to, I'd, I'd hesitate to say running away um, with it, but he's really kind of a, by himself in a tier a tier alone, and and there's not really that captivated, captivating player that's 
that's challenging him besides Davis and what he's done in the absence of uh, DeMarcus Cousins and how he's actually improved the uh, Pelicans' seeding, I believe. They've, they've kind of gone up and down. There's just so many, so few games separating them from anybody. But they, you know, somebody like me who I predicted they would fall out, they've actually maintained their position, looked very good, and Davis has gone crazy. You know, he's 40-point game, 40-point, 15 rebound games like there's like it's nothing you know he's averaging almost uh, almost 30 and 12 uh, a game um you know shooting a good you know over 80 percent from the free throw line just he's one of those seasons I mean he's he's always been an amazing talent and he's had similar seasons I guess but really he's showcasing the dominance right now and I, I think the I'm not you know touting media conspiracies or anything but I do think that Right now, in a in a starved kind of few weeks for content and, and for storylines, you you do bring somebody like Davis up, who's a great story, who probably will win an MVP one day in this league. I, I would hope. I, I really do like the player, and, and you, you do want to kind of make this a race. You don't want it to be just James Harden running away with this, and, and there not really being any, um, you know, I guess mystery to it. Uh, not that that's how it should be. You know, if Harden's by far the best, then, you know, he should, you know, win it. I don't think it's going to be a unanimous MVP or anything like that. But um, I think that's what kind of explains the, the Davis rise and, and the fact that, you know, you're, you're the other talking points like the Cavs and, and their struggles, their up and down play, the, you know, the, that's kind of died out just because we exhausted it for almost a month before, you know, a few weeks before the trade deadline and then the couple of weeks after that leading up to the all-star break. Uh, it's just been, it's been hashed over and hashed over. It's just the same points. You know, the Celtics aren't playing uh, like they were at the beginning of the season. They have picked up after the all-star break though. And I think they're going to be, you know, solidify that one to two seed along with, you know, Toronto is going to get whichever um, is left over. Um, you know, they may hold up at the, at the one or, you know, won't fall any lower than two in my opinion. So you're not seeing really anything dramatic that mean the after the three seed you kind of have some kind of uh playoff race in the east i mean i guess you can include the three seed as the Cavs because they're kind of right there tied or a game ahead of the wizards you know i feel like they'll secure that three seed but there's just kind of a, a mishmash of teams similar to out west and not we're not at the time in the season yet to where any like what the last the last probably you know ten games of the season is going to be amazing in both sides of the league because you're going to see four or five seeds just changing overnight every night of the week and it's crazy and that'll be a lot of fun it'll be it'll go down to the last game of the season which will be um, really interesting um, but I think uh, the MVP this is the time where it gets a lot of pub. Um, they're they're making the rounds. Uh, Harden's getting the, uh, not as much love as I think he should. I know a lot of people aren't a fan of his play. I don't I don't really know how. It's just he's a he's a smooth guy. He doesn't really. I mean, he draws a lot of fouls, and a lot, I know people like to hate on that, but it's not really something that is uncommon in the NBA. And I don't really think it should be. Oh well, this guy's draw. You know, we don't really hold it against elite wide receivers when they draw pass interference calls. You know, we don't, that's, yeah, like that's, that's kind of, if you use that logic, it's like, I know it's a little more frequency in the, in the NBA as far as, you know, a guy having the ball in his hands all the time. 
uh, you know, he being the focal point, and if he gets to the free throw line 10 or 12 times a game like Harden, you know, it does kind of seem like it's happening so often. But in the NFL, you know, with the, if you <clears throat> kind of put them side by side and, and, and relate those two, that it does really relate to like a uh, an elite wide receiver drawing those flags and, and how, yeah, not all of them are warranted. They aren't. Some of them are drawn because of his status, because of his, you know, pedigree and what he's done in the league because of his reputation. And you know that the guy, he's not just going to get out there and drop a ball. Like Antonio Brown's not just going to drop one. You know, if he goes up and makes a play on it and the guy, you know, odds are the defender's doing a little bit extra to keep him away because he's so great. And I think with people like James Harden is the way he plays and the way he kind of just glides across the court almost in like an old man, lazy kind of uh, uh, just close to the ground, not like a athlete that's just jumping off the page at you. I think it kind of lulls people to sleep and just they feel like he's he's complaining about the earth. He's just doing nothing but trying to draw fouls and he's not, you know, Trey made a good point. He's using, he's taking advantage of what the league is, is right now and how, you know, they're, everything's so fast. I don't believe that the way the game is officiated is caught up with, you know, the, the talent that's on the court and, and how to, to, you know, it's similar in like baseball when like things is they advance and then you, officiating never advances with everything else in the sport. And, and we don't see a lot of innovation in, 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 in officiating. And we've seen in baseball that they are now reviewing home runs. They've never done that before. They're giving challenges. They're doing things to speed up the play and then some things that people think might slow it down with the replays. And But you've got to innovate on the officiating side. And, and basketball is one of those sports that, you know, while they do have the, like, the last two-minute report, which is kind of just a, checks and balances on the refs, they don't really have another, I mean, you got three guys out there making judgment calls that when, you know, a 200-pound dude going 100 miles an hour jumps into a guy that's bigger than him, <laughs> you know, that's seven foot tall and 265 pounds, and his trajectory changes and the ball doesn't go in and he's an elite scorer, you're going to be like, oh, well, he must have been fouled even if the guy jumps straight up and and it's so hard to define what is a foul and you know it's who initiated the contact if, if a guy's going downhill driving for a dunk or a layup like obviously he's initiating contact he's initiating a movement towards the rim um he may, he may not be intentionally jumping at this this 7 foot tall center but the center is obviously also defending the rim and and if he jumps straight up you know he, it's, if he jumps out at him, obviously it's an obvious call, but still there's play, you know, people like Steven Adams who are very disciplined defenders get called all the time for you know going straight up or not even leaving their feet sometimes. And you, you see it all the time. You've got, you know, Mark Gasol, who is a very nifty, smart defender, and he'll even look to kind of strip the ball sometimes as opposed to just trying to block a shot. And a lot of times he gets they, those guys like that get calls that you know they shake their head at and Maybe they get a technical here or there, but it's like there's they they understand the league too. But if you want, I mean, I don't. I'm not sitting here saying I know the solutions to to help innovate officiating or anything like that. But I think you, with a, with a commissioner like Adam Silver and with the things that they are doing in the league and the things they are improving and innovating on, I think you will see something done eventually in the next few years. It maybe even comes out of nowhere, like in an off season like this one. 
and uh, you know whether that's adding officials, whether it's adding some level of, uh, um, I don't know. I, to be honest with you, I'm not even sitting here and make stuff up. Maybe there's not a way to, to really change it. Uh, you maybe add more replay or do something, uh, a dedicated referee on the baseline. I don't know. You know it. I do think it's kind of crazy that these guys run up and down the court at this with at this and are expected to be almost step in step with a lot of these elite athletes. It's it's a, it's a weird thing to me. And you see these guys that are these officials that are in amazing shape and you know busting out of their uniforms and, and but they're still you know they're, a lot of those guys are like in their forties and fifties and they're not you know they're not gonna as you as you get up in age you you know your things your your uh, instincts and your reflexes and your eyesight and things like that they do deteriorate i'm not sitting here making a you know passing judgment on these guys but i think there are and i think this in general i'm I'm not trying to go off on a million different tangents here i'm just kind of just the way it goes in a solo podcast (laughs) when you're just listening to yourself talk but i do think i've heard this mentioned in nfl where i think you see more uh, elderly referees than anything in any other sport um, and maybe it's just because of the way they're on camera more than maybe a baseball umpire, but um, they don't really have any uh, a farm system. I, mean, I don't think there's 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 a lack of movement in that or in that uh, field of work. And I think that as a as a country and as a you know org, uh, I guess professional sport organizations and and their commissioners probably should look into. Um, ways to, I mean, because they've just now made a lot of referees full-time, a lot of officials across sports full-time to where they make enough money to to, to not have to have work in the off-season or to do work on their consulting and stuff like that. I think that's amazing. I mean, to me, the idea that a a referee in the NFL doesn't make enough money for that to be his full-time job is crazy. I mean, what, like... (laughs) How many professions out there make plenty of money to be a full-time job? How come that one's not? I mean, it's just a little crazy to me. And I think concentrating on, you know, building a career in that at a young age, maybe even providing programs uh, along with, you know, high school football and and, uh, college football. And then basketball is the same way bringing in referees to, to you know, training, trainings in these, you know, millions of AAU tournaments across the country and, and really making it something that can be pursued as a career, even, you know, providing some type of study in college or providing a career, a degree path or a path to a degree that would make you more qualified than the next person to be a referee, you know, and obviously you're not going to have like an official uh, a referee degree, but you know some type of sport administration or sport um, physiology or sport technology. Even you know get a little innovative with it, get a little fun with it. So, but I know you didn't tune in to talk about referees and what they can do. Um, that's kind of boring, but um, you know that's what happens when when the news the news is down. You got a lot of teams in the NBA that are tanking. Me and Blake talked about it. One of them is our own Memphis Grizzlies and. They've done a triumphant job of, uh, even though they retained Tyreek Evans, they have continued to lose. But um, they they fought it out with the with the other bottom dweller Phoenix the other night. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, uh, as the, there's a lot of teams that are trying to get in that top five. There, there's about you know people have labeled it as a top seven. Uh, 
draft where the the, the t- there's a top tier kind of of seven players. You know, they're they're in their own respects greater than some of that other seven, but that's what you want to be in. You don't want to be any, you don't want to get that number eight or nine pick and really miss miss on those guys, those top flight guys. And uh, I think you're going to see some jockeying for certain ones. And and as the NCAA tournament comes up, we're going to see. I would say probably one or two of those guys, right? You know, get a lot more media coverage than the rest because of the team success. Maybe that's a Marvin Bagley, or maybe Arizona makes a run and DeAndre Ayton gets it, and and you'll see Luka Doncic, uh, Doncic or whatever, um, kind of lose the, the media a little bit, and then he'll as soon as the college season's over, it'll be an it'll be story after story about him and his EuroBasket season and all that, and the workouts and, and, and all that and his stuff when he when he gets comes over to the US and starts uh, making his rounds through the combine and whatnot. So so we'll see that kind of shuffle and then college basketball in its own self, the the tournament's so amazing. I'll actually be in Vegas for the first weekend. It's gonna be a cool experience. But you'll see there'll be some player that's right now considered a medi median first round pick or a low-end first-round pick that will have a great tournament. Somebody like a Shabazz Napier, Kimball Walker, or um, you know, player like Josh Hart of Villanova who had a great tournament, and things like that, that they'll come in. And maybe it's a player for Kentucky. Maybe this year a team like Kentucky that struggled playing better now, they've still got probably multiple first-round picks on that team, and somebody's going to shine in the tournament. I really do think they'll probably make a run. And maybe that's the player. Maybe it's a Kevin Knox or... Um, somebody like that, that uh, Jared Vanderbilt, that that comes in and uh, really elevates his play on that stage, makes an Elite Eight run or a Final Four run, and all of a sudden people are like, "Is this guy going to go top ten? Can he sneak into that, you know, top half of the lottery?" And you start getting things like that, the conversations like that. So it'll be interesting to see. It's one of the best times of the year, um, leading into these next few months and everything, but. Um, just wanted to get a couple, a short episode up for you. Um, you. You guys may hate this, me just talking to myself, but working on it, getting better at it. Um, you know, we'll, we'll be looking for more content. I'm still working on my 2017 redraft. Uh, uh, you know, it, it, writing is something that doesn't come easy to me, but it does take a lot of time, and I don't want to put something out that's not good content. So, or that's not, you know, something that I feel proud of. So, we'll get that out, let you know as soon as that comes. So, we'll have another episode hopefully on Monday from. Uh, from Clear Path, and in the meantime, follow our guys. Check out the website. There's articles up every day. NFL Combine's here. Trey Dalbert's going crazy on it. Big NFL guy. Uh, you know all the all the different um, events that are going on and the different uh, uh, you know uh, players that are standing out. Quarterback, you know, quarterbacks and and Saquon Barkley and all those big names. So follow that stuff on the website follow us at, uh you know it'll be it's a uh, vendetta sports media.com it's media underscore and vendetta at or it's at media underscore vendetta on twitter um our our podcast is here's the clear is clear path nba on twitter and then you can find me at jacob mccormick underscore on twitter so thanks guys peace